if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, the second chapter. There's so much in this that, that we could talk about today, but I know that we don't have all day, so I will narrow our focus down to the 10th verse. Our children are in with us today, and that's exciting to have them in the service. We want them to continue to be exposed to Big Church. Everybody say, Big Church. Amen. They have a fantastic kids' ministry Sunday after Sunday, and they're impacted and trained and equipped and empowered and led and all of those things, and we're thankful for that, and we're going to continue to support that. But from time to time, we want our children to be in here with us so they understand, even as Susan mentioned earlier, what it's like to be in this atmosphere, to be touched and strengthened and helped in this place. It's setting, it's setting the course and it's setting the path for their future. Amen. I look back and I'm thankful that my parents raised me in the house of the Lord. Amen. And there were very, very few Sundays in my entire life that, that I can remember. Very few Sundays not being in the house of the Lord. In fact, I would be hard-pressed to remember any Sunday that we were not in the house of the Lord. And so I'm thankful for uh, what my parents instilled in my sister and I. But I'm also feeling the responsibility to do the same for our children that are growing up in this day and time. We need them to understand just how beautiful and powerful it is to have a continuing walk and relationship with God. So I'm glad your kids are in here with you today and uh, encourage them to worship right along with you and encourage them to be engaged in the next little while. Look at your, ch your children. Maybe that's your spouse. I don't know. If you look at them as a child, then, then you can say that. Say, you're going to enjoy this today because pastor has some object lessons. Amen. Pastor has some object lessons, so you're going to enjoy it. All right. Let's read out of Ephesians, the second chapter, verse number 10. Paul said, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them that we should walk in the good works that he ordained for our lives as a result of His craftsmanship in our individual lives. As God works on our lives, He brings us into our purpose, the work that was foreordained for each and every one of us. We are His workmanship. I ask you a question today, and I trust that before we finish, you'll be able to answer this accurately. Is your purpose being fulfilled? Is your purpose being fulfilled? Alright, God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for a few moments. Workmanship. If I can put that in layman's terms, I would just say handiwork. We are His handiwork. We are His workmanship. Now, this word workmanship comes from a Greek word that simply means a product or a fabric, literally or figuratively, a fabric a product, a thing that is made. We are 
His, if you will, thing that is being made. We are His product. We are His fabric. We are what He is working on. Now, this finds its base in another Greek word which simply means to make or to do. We are His product that He's working on. We are His fabric that He has His hands on and is producing something in all of our lives. Now, I appreciate craftsmanship and especially I appreciate that if it's good craftsmanship. I, even better, I would say I appreciate it if it is expert level craftsmanship. And you can tell, you can tell the difference. And maybe this is my feelings toward that. Maybe it's, it's this way because many of the males in my family on my father's side, many of them were and are builders. Many of them were uh, carpenters. And I have uncles and I have grandfathers and I have cousins and family, immediate family and distant family that are all uh, a part of that industry. Just a few days ago, I saw one of my first cousins posting a house that he had just recently framed and and there were pictures of some of the uh, other projects he's been involved in and I, I, I commented on that and as I commented on my cousin's craftsmanship in Texas, one of another cousin of mine, a first cousin in California, commented and she said it just must be in the family. And we started talking about it a little while because many of my father's side of the family, many of those individuals, I haven't necessarily been that close to through the years. Some of them I haven't seen in literally decades. In fact, uh, the cousin that commented on my post a few days ago that lives in California, I can only remember maybe as a child once or twice ever seeing them. And so I said to my wife recently when I travel back to California to preach in a few weeks, I'm going to do my best to make it a point to connect with one of my cousins that I haven't seen first cousins in in many, many decades. So it's in our family. Now, some of my personal treasures, and if you've been around Vertical for a, a, a length of time, there was a service many years ago that I brought a couple of things and shared with you, but some of my personal treasures from my father's side of the family would include an old rough-hewn wooden toolbox that my grandfather had. My grandfather passed when I was just a a young boy and uh, I have an old toolbox of my grandfather and I have an old wooden handled saw and some squares and other things that my uncle used as a carpenter who passed away before I was even born. And so I have in in my possession a few things that are treasured to me, and they may not be worth anything to anyone else, but this is uh, generations being passed down, and from time to time, I, I look at those tools of the trade. Lisa and I, the girls, several years ago, uh, we traveled to California. We've been there many times, and we traveled a lot of places, and we've had some wonderful times together vacationing and sightseeing. And most of the time, I, I just kind of go along with what they want to do, and, and I spend a lot of time uh, observing them shopping and talking and uh, eating in their favorite places and going to some of the things that they enjoy doing. few years ago when we were in California, I said, babe, I want to do something. And they said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go on a tour. And they said, what kind of tour do you want to go? You know, it's always what they want to do. I just fund the whole thing and try to have fun in the middle of it all. And so I finally, Joel, I I, I just set my foot down and said, I want to do something this time. If, If you guys want to go with me or not, it doesn't matter. 
You don't have to go if you don't want to go, but I'm going to schedule a, a tour that I would like to go on in El Cajon, California. Now, they didn't even know that El Cajon was anywhere near where we were or what may be at this particular place. And so, I uh, coerced them into going with me on a tour of a plant where they make my favorite brand of guitars. Now, there's some awesome guitars that are made in California. Fender has a place in Corona. But if you were to go to Pennsylvania, you could go to the Martin factory in Nazareth there. And so Martins and Taylors and Gibsons and Fenders, these are kind of the big four in the uh, industry of guitars. Now, there's a lot of other ones that are probably just as valuable, but those are ones that have a, a long history with them. And I have, I have a Gibson, and I have a, a Taylor's, and I have Martin's, and I have some of the big four. And so uh, these are things and something that I enjoy and I like, and I always have for many, many years. I like guitars. And so I just kind of said, I'm going on uh, a tour of the Taylor factory in El Cajon. If you guys want to go with me, you're welcome to go. I'm going to, I'm going to be gone for a few hours. And so they decided that they would, they would go with me. Now, uh, I took some pictures, like several hundred pictures. I doubt very seriously anyone in my family outside of me took one picture, but I may be wrong. But I took enough for us all, and I thought what I would do is just share this with you because for me, it was one of my favorite times that I've ever had with my family doing particular things. And so, Faith, let's, let's, let's start here by just showing the folks some wood. That's wood. Right? This is, this is where it began. Let's go to the next picture. Right? These are stacks and piles of wood. Aren't you excited, Mark? I know you and I, you and I are on the same page here. Anybody else on the same page with Mark and I? Let me see your hand. Andrew, yeah, yeah I know, I know. So, yeah, this, 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 okay, let's go to the next picture. Yeah, I took pictures of all of this, all right? I'm not a selfie guy. I, I take pictures of things that matter. See, you can look in the mirror and remember who you are, but if you don't take these kind of things, you'll forget it happened. All right? So these are, this is the kind of stuff that fills my, my photo app, if you will, all right? So, so, Barry, you like this kind of stuff too, don't you? So anyway, this is wood. Isn't this exciting? Fancy wood, yes. This is thrilling. Let's go to the next picture. All right, now, now if you didn't know this, but... What you're seeing here is a neck. This is a neck. This is from a guitar. This is the neck of the guitar that has been crafted now out of those stacks of wood that you were seeing a few moments ago. Okay, let's go, let's go to the next picture. This is more wood. Isn't this fun? I love this. These are pallets of wood, and they're wrapped up and they're protected. Let's go to the next, let's go to the next one. And this is the top, all right? This is the top, the body of a guitar that has been crafted now out of some of that wood that you saw, and around the sound hole, you are seeing some inlaid work, all right? Craftsmanship. Let's go to the next, I appreciate this. Now you see stacks of those tops, that are being brought out of the wood, the piles, the, the pallets that you saw. And on the back of those tops, you're seeing what they call bracing. And bracing is how they fit the back of the top to create the certain sounds that are identifiable to particular brands that create... The, I guess you could say, 
the sound and its projection, how it resonates, how it will sustain. You don't just put a flat piece of wood on the body of a guitar and it all sounds. All of these, when you get into the bracing, the bracing is what causes those big four and all of the other different industries of guitar makers to create a certain sound, a Martin sound, a Gibson sound, a Fender sound, a Taylor sound. It comes from the bracing often that is put on the back of the top. Okay, let's go to the next one. I knew you guys would love that, I can tell. So, so, so what we have here now is the back. Say, say back. This is the back, the opposite side of the top that you saw on the underside of the body. And all of these different backs are particular woods. Certain woods create a richer sound or a more dense sound. So you didn't know I knew all of this, but I'm really that kind of person. <laughs> and they represent particular types of playing ability and sound and what you're trying to create. If you're a studio musician, if you're a concert musician, if you're an at-home musician, if you are a performer for small groups or large, all of this matters in how the sound of the guitar will be translated to the hearer's ear. Okay, let's go to the next one. Now, now you're seeing the bodies with the fronts and backs and the necks. See, did you guys realize that we're kind of in a sequence here? Yes. Have you noticed that yet? That we started with the pallets of stacked wood and now we've covered some of these other things, but in this one little picture we're seeing several of those steps coming together. Let's go to the next one. Then it goes from there to this is a booth. This is an incredible booth where they can stain or gloss or polish and put, if you will, I'll show you in a minute, a sunburst color on the particular top and sides. Okay, let's go on. Now you're seeing the colors starting to take effect in that stack of wood that has been now put together and created to produce an instrument like this. Let's go to the next step. Now, now, man, isn't that pretty? <laughs> now this is okay. It's making sense now for some people because you realize what we've been talking about is guitars and where they come from and how, how they're made. You're like, yes, I got, I've got it now. Nubia, you have it? See, okay, thank you. Let's go to the next one. Now, now look at this. this. This is still the tour, the plant that I was enamored by and I was a part of and, and they were texting and daydreaming and sleeping and yawning and probably picking their nose. I don't know, but I know this. I was taking pictures of everything that I laid my eyes on because this intrigues me. Okay, let's go on. Now... Now you see them hanging on the wall and there's one here on the bottom where the top, the back is removed and you're seeing through, kind of three-dimensional if you will, the exposure of how and where it ends up. Let's go to the next one. Is there one more? Is that it? Oh, you missed the last one. Man. Oh well, you have to go to El Cajon. They're not doing tours right now because of COVID, but they will before long. And you don't want to miss it. This is better than Hawaii. This is better than Cancun. This is better than Paris. This is better. And I've been to all those places. This is better. This is awesome. And it's just a couple hour flight away. Workmanship. Craftsmanship. It's incredible to me because in what you have seen, Mark, bring me that box over there that's covered up with uh, the black trash bag. Yeah, bring me, bring me that box. We've got to make this real, okay? I want you to appreciate this today. Let's give Mark a hand. My helper. 
We got a bunch of wood in here, but I just want I just want you to see. Just pull out one of those and, and or a couple of those and hold them up. What what is this? Wood, but what kind of wood? Maple. Maple. All right. So what you were seeing up there, now you're going to see here. This is maple, and this is where it all begins. Now, if you didn't know this, there's different levels and degrees of maple and different kinds of maple. You have big leaf maple. You didn't know that, did you? You're learning something today. All right? There's, diff there's quilted maple. There's a lot of different... And for every true artisan and craftsman of putting together the kind of instruments that I showed you, they source this type of stuff to create the kind of instrument that they want. Let's look at the next. Let's, let's, look, at, let's look at something else here. What are these? What's this? Wood. What kind of wood is this? Do you know what kind of wood this is? What do you think, Mark? Alder. Ha, ha, ha. Look at there. Alder. You're not excited like I am. Why aren't you as excited as I am? This is alder. And that was maple. And in this box, there are all types of different woods. And every one of them have importance. And every one of them have potential. All right, Mark, help me. Let's, let's go get these things. Let's show these people what it's really all about. All right? Somebody say, ooh, whoa. Yeah, that, these are stands. Isn't that amazing? Whoa. Wow. Incredible. All right. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. In a minute. Yes. So, this is my first guitar. This was probably purchased in about 70... 78 or 9. This is where I learned G, C, and D. And I learned my first song. Karen, you won't know this one. I'll stump you on this one. It's called The Little Brown Jug. <laughs> And unless you're from the mountains of Tennessee or you know much about moonshine, you probably don't want you probably don't know what the little brown jug is. Do they, David? But that's what I learned. You could play it in G C and D and I was a young teen. And this guitar has been with me since the 70s. This guitar is a Maple Sunburst Taylor 614 CE. That may not mean anything to you, but it means a whole lot to me. That's quilted maple. And that is a, like, level two or three maple. And I ordered this specifically to look just like that. And it has abalone and mother of pearl and all kinds of appointments all over this with gold tuners. And this one <laughs> is probably made out of plywood. <laughs> this one didn't cost anywhere near what that one did. And this one, uh, I probably had this one 18 years. Let, no, no, maybe not that long. Less than 20 years. These two guitars are important to me. They mean something to me. 
They are special in my collection. Now, you may be saying, Pastor, you've lost your mind. I, I don't care. I, 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 I'm good with that. But in both of those, I can tell you the amount of time invested here in my Castilia and the amount of time invested here in my Taylor is two completely different things. And the materials that went into this and the materials that went into that are completely different. This is solid. This one, not so much. The Bible said we are His workmanship. We are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. It, unto good works. It was for, if you will, ordained. It was planned. It was purposed that when this piece of material came out of the woods, that it would ultimately become this instrument. But the process of harvesting this and producing that took time, effort, vision, patience. But those are the kind of instruments that come out of a plan. Do you know God has a plan for you? It, th these are human products and the, the, the result of ingenuity by man. He said it was already ordained that you would become something specific and that you would have a purpose. And He would go to work crafting your life in such a way that you would produce exactly what He intended for your life to produce. I wish I had time to talk to you about all the various things that I know about guitars, but I'll, I'll jump through that and just tell you I think that this is adequate for today. Amen. I, uh, I have a lot of passion for these kind of things, but I have more passion for those that sit in front of me today. I want you to know that God has intention for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And you say, well, how can you prove that? Or how do you know that? Well, the proof is in the fact that you're sitting in this building right now, that you're in this house of worship today, and you begin to look around and realize that we serve a God with attention to detail. Amen. Your life and everything you have experienced and everything you've been through and everything you will face is all part of making you into something that God wants you to be. His Word either says it or it doesn't say it, that all things work together for the good. God will take every step of the process of your life to develop you into the purpose that He ordained for you. That's the incredible, that's the incredible thing with our God. Now, on the other hand, we have all these imperfections. We have all of this... Uh, of fallen nature and humanity to, to wrestle with. And those things become a problem for our purpose. They become a problem for us fulfilling what God wants us to fulfill. So one, one thing that, that we all face is that the enemy will constantly try to thwart us. He will constantly try to cause the process to be aborted. He will constantly fight and bring things into our life to say, you'll never be anything more than this scrap of wood. You'll never be anything more than what you were when you first stumbled into an apostolic church. Others will continue to 
grow. Others will continue to be shaped, if you will, and formed into what, but not you because there's no hope for you and you didn't come from that kind of family and you don't have that kind of name and you don't have that knowledge or those experiences. So just accept who you are. Nothing about your life will ever change. I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. And it doesn't matter what shape or what kind or what situation you walked in with. When you came in, he said, there is a purpose for that person. There is a purpose for that individual. And if they will allow me to, I will work a work in their life that nobody will be able to even comprehend. How can we go from something like this to something like that? It takes a craftsman. It takes an expert. It takes a luthier. It takes an artisan. It takes someone who has a passion to bring, hallelujah, the potential out of the rough-hewn object that has been put into His hands. The Bible said we are His fabric. We are His product. We are His project, if you will. And if it takes Him a year, a decade, or a lifetime, He'll keep honing, and He'll keep working, and He'll keep adjusting and He'll keep moving things in our lives to get us to the place that we are fulfilling our purpose. Thank God that He didn't give up on us. Romans says this, 5th chapter verse 12, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men. And for that, all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. We We were, if you will, defected by sin. We were on one of those piles in the pictures that I showed that maybe that wasn't quite up to the standard or the par for what that particular company wanted to use in the woods so they just set it aside. Maybe you showed up feeling that way. We all, the Bible said, are under this curse. But it goes on to say in 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ. So if we were all doomed and damned and trapped in our sin because of one man's failure, Adam, it says that much more will we have grace and the gift of God through Jesus Christ. I'm glad that I've been put into the workmanship of the hands of Jesus Christ. Because what sin did to me and what Adam caused to come on me, Jesus Christ can much more overcome that curse of sin in my life and bring something out of me that is purposeful and intentional. And he goes on to say this, and as and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many uh, offenses. Um, let me, where am I at? Uh, of, unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace, and of, everybody shout, of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Listen, I appreciate all the kind and wonderful and great efforts of people that are around me and I will accept them as often as I can. But there is nobody who can do me like Jesus. Hallelujah. There is nobody who can help me like Jesus. 
There is no one who can fix my struggle like Jesus. There is no one who can redeem my life like Jesus. There is no one who can turn my situation around like Jesus. I, I appreciate the counsel and I appreciate the help and I appreciate the, uh, the assistance, but it's all in Him. Hallelujah. I said it's all in Him. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Huh. I came broken. I came shattered. I came as just a scrap, if you will. And I did not know if anything would ever change, if I'd ever be free from my pains, from my torment, from my addiction, from my failures, from my sin. You didn't know either. You just showed up wondering, can anything good, if you will, come out of this life? Can anything change about the... I don't know where you came from, but He knows where you came from. I don't know where all of you, where you first came to know the Lord, but I know where some of you first came to the Lord, and I know your testimony. Testimony, and I know where you what you were dealing with, and you showed up scraps because of one man's offense and disobedience. It was passed down on us all, but through Jesus Christ, His obedience created something where righteousness, a process, could be started in my life when I did. Some of you are sitting here saying, all my family, everybody in my past, alcoholics, violent, addicts, criminals, difficulty. Some of you, the only thing anyone and everybody knows about your family is divorce, bankruptcy, dishonesty. But when you came to Him through the blood of Jesus Christ and the workmanship of our great physician, if you will, things started changing in our life. And that curse that was passed down on us there was a day where it came where that was broken in our life. I was buried in the name that is above every name. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Almighty came to reside. Are you hearing me right now? By one man, it all can change in your life. I am His workmanship. I have been created in Christ Jesus foreordained to good works. I may not have known what a good work was before I came here, but when I came to Him, I had a brand new revelation of what my future could be, of what my tomorrow could be, of what my family could look like because Jesus went to work in my life. Anybody thankful Jesus went to work in your life? Amen. It's amazing what God can do with a life that's submitted and committed to Him. I said it's amazing the renewal that can be provided in all of our lives. Our text said we're His workmanship. It's that place where Christ goes to work on us. It's not a lazy, lackluster effort. In all honesty... You probably couldn't get much money for this right here. Place that I bought it from didn't even stay in existence. I'm a bit of an elephant. I have a mind and a memory like an elephant. I can't drive when we go back to Houston from time to time. I cannot drive down a particular road off of Interstate 45 without passing a little small strip center where the music store used to be where I bought this over 40 years ago. It's been out of business for decades. But every time I drive by there, I think of this. I'm crazy like that. 
you probably would not be able to get much for this, and the reason is because there wasn't much effort put into its making. And there wasn't much diligence on the maker's part. The strings kind of ride high off of the fret, the frets, and if I really wanted to have some things done, I could probably have the frets filed, and here we go again on all the stuff that runs through my brain. Because these always, when you're making a certain chord, sometimes you have a tendency on this particular guitar to get a buzz. Not the kind of buzz that they get in Colorado. So in case you're wondering, that's not what I'm talking about. If that was the case, I'd be playing this all the time. But no, that's... <laughs> it's a buzz. The, 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 the chord, the three notes that are creating the chord, they don't harmonize exactly. One of them will... It's because of the way the frets. This, not much time and effort was put into this. But this... You'd be hard-pressed to find a buzz anywhere on this neck as high as you want to go. Because there was intention there. You serve a God that is intentional about your life. And if something's not the way it should be in harmony... He'll just keep filing on that place and He'll keep working on that place and He'll give attention to that place because before long when the chord of your life is struck, it'll sound like a beautiful melody and it will not be that, it won't be that, oh, that's uncomfortable. You ever get around people that are uncomfortable? I've been around people that are uncomfortable. You know what? All you can say is God keep working on them. (laughs) Because if you'll allow God to work, He will work in your spirit. He will work in your attitude. He will work in your outlook. He will work in the way you live your life, the way you conduct your business, the way you go forward. Because this is what the Scripture says in Psalms 149 and 4. For the Lord taketh pleasure in His people. He takes pleasure... He wants pleasure out of your life. And if something isn't just right, He will take the strings off and He'll move the top off and He'll adjust the bracing on the back and He'll file down a little bit here and He'll put things back together because what God wants is pleasure in His people. I play this guitar... I've played this guitar hundreds of more times than I have this guitar because I take pleasure. A good instrument makes you want to practice. A good instrument makes you want to play. A good, I'd rather have one of these than ten of those. There's a whole lot of people that are just content being this in the hands of God. They don't want the adjustments. They don't want the filings. They don't want the time spent. They don't don't want to go through what you have to go through to get this. But He wants to take pleasure in His people. He's not getting much pleasure out of someone that says, you can't work in that part of my life. You can't work in that part of my spirit. You don't have access to those things in my life. He wants someone that says, whatever you have to do, don't stop working on me because I want you to have pleasure in my life. Is this making sense? Just making sense. I hope it is. He said, He, He will beautify the resistant. He will beautify the obnoxious. He will beautify the rebellious. He will beautify the stiff neck. That's a good King James Version word. So there are stiff neck people. <laughs> They were full of pride and arrogance. The Bible said He will beautify the meek. Put the right kind of wood 
in an artisan's hand that's willing to be pliable and shaped and adjusted and not fracture and crack and split in the middle of all of the challenges that may be going on and given time being meek will cause something beautiful to come out of that workman that is adjusting in our lives. A true a true artisan takes the utmost pride and pleasure in their craft and in their art and it's it's a personal appreciation if you will. It's it's that perfection that you are after. You want you want the client to be satisfied. You want the client to put the instrument in their hand. And when it's in their hands, they appreciate what it took to get that instrument to the place where it feels like it does. He intentionally, the Bible says, creates beauty where there was corruption. He intentionally creates something pretty in a place where it had been dominated by destruction. He takes something and he says, I'm going to work on this until it becomes beautiful. Hey, God's working on me. I may not be where I'm supposed to be, but I'm trying to get there. I'm letting Him adjust me and change me and work on me. And I'm staying meek and humble in His hand because I know He will beautify the meek with salvation. Meek just means to be humbly patient. You like that definition? I hope so. Because if God's ever going to do anything in your life, you'll have to get to the place where you are humbly patient. Well, I'm anxious. I don't like this place. I'm done with this. I'm ready for... If you want beauty to come out of what you offered Him, then it will take an humble patience. If it's six more months, if it's six more years... I'm in His hand and I'm going to be meek and let Him do what only He can do. It's quiet in nature. Quiet in nature. Not resistant in nature. Not debating in nature. Not saying, but God, and you thought, and I said, and I would, and why haven't you? That's not allowing beauty to come out of what you offered Him. Quiet in nature is saying, God, I trust you with this. I understand you're at work. I'm humbly patient in your hand as you're shaping and you're adjusting and you're moving. I wish I was already there, but I'm not there yet. So I'm just going to let you do your work in my life and not fight you in the process. This is what it says in one definition. That it would meek would simply mean overly submissive. Overly. If you're having a problem just being submissive, then you haven't got to meekness yet. Meekness is overly submissive. Where you go the extra mile and beyond just what is required. What it could have taken, you go beyond that. And just say, well, if it's whatever I have to lay on the altar, I'll lay it all on the altar. See, some people are willing... I feel the Holy Ghost talking now. Some people are willing to lay certain things on the altar, but not everything on the altar. This is laying stuff on the altar that He's not even asking for. That's overly submissive. Not, Pastor, where's the line is and what can I get by with? Overly is, even if I could, I don't because I want Him to know how committed I am to the process. Does this make sense? Overly. Overly. In the area of submission. And and it just simply goes on to say compliant. This can't become that without compliance. Compliance to the tolerances that are there. Compliance to the... uh, the plan that is laid out, compliance to the various steps. I think 14 or 15 pictures that I showed you of compliant every step. Sometimes you're left on the shelf for a few days to dry. Sometimes you're left outside before they ever bring it. This is more of the information that I keep in my brain. Sometimes they leave you outside in the pile to acclimate to the area where you are. 
You know that even right now, if I were to buy a new guitar from another part of the country and it's shipped to me, I probably would not even open the box for a number of days as it begins to acclimate to our weather right here. Because if I open the case on a, on a high dollar instrument, I can damage the wood because it's not acclimated. You know that I put humidifiers and dehumidifiers in my instruments because of the nature of the wood and the moisture that it needs to come in and if it's too much more yes I'm that kind of guy but I appreciate what I have and you have to understand if I take that kind of detail in what matters to me how much more does our God look at the details of our life and we may feel like we're sitting on the side and nothing's happening right now. He may be saying, if you'll be patient with me, I have something great that will come out of that process that if I rush you into it, I could never use you like I would have been able to. Oh, 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 yes, it's true. And this is, this, is, uh, this, this is staggering to me. Philippians 2.13 For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He's making you into something that will bring pleasure to Him. Quit trying to please everybody else. Just please the one whose hands your life is in right now. He's working in me to, the Bible said, to both to will and to do good of His Pleasure. Least we forget the amazing changes in our life. I want you to know that what he's doing is more about what he desires than what you desire. And if you keep fighting, and I keep fighting, demanding my rights and my will and my desires and my, I'll never become what God wants me to be. I have to get to the place where I release it all and say, God, this is more about you than it is me. And if you want that out of my life, then keep working and keep shaping and keep changing and keep just adjusting whatever you have to do so I can become what you want me to become. Amen. God help us today to understand this is about His pleasure and not our pleasure. I want God to change my situation so I'll feel better. Maybe I need to say, God, if you're getting something good out of this, then forget about what I think and just let my life and my struggle bring glory and honor to You. Let my trial and my setback bring glory and honor to You. Because in the end, it's all about You and it's not about me. It's what You can can get out of my life, not what I can get out of my life. Okay, I'm going to hurry to a close here. So the challenge is to forsake our fleshly approval and seeking for others to approve. I want Him to approve. I want Him to get the glory out of my life. And so I ask you this question again. Is your purpose being fulfilled not the purpose that you with your five year plans and ten year plans not what you're aiming for but what he foreordained you to become is the purpose of your life being fulfilled right now because the purpose is to bring him glory to bring him pleasure to bring Him honor. And if it's about you, then it can't be about Him. It's, it's, it's one or the other. We were ordained, the Bible said, to walk in them. Well, it's impossible. No, it's not. Because He ordains your walk in that purpose. And so if you allow Him, He'll work until you're walking in that purpose. He knows how to get us on the path and the place and direction that we need to be so He gets glory out of our existence. So it is possible, but it takes 
humble patience. It takes compliance. It takes surrendering. It takes saying, God, as long as you're getting the glory, I don't care what people say. I don't care what people do. I don't care what people think. I want you to be lifted up in my life and out of the efforts of my life. And so I encourage you to stay surrendered to that end. To will and to do is a mouthful. And it would take me another hour to just try to scratch the surface of it. So, my family doesn't understand it. But that's okay. Because I don't understand some of their stuff. My eyes are not as good as they used to be. But from a relatively moderately safe 55-year-old distance, I can look at most any guitar and I can tell you what the brand is without even seeing the name on the headset. Because the big four have a particular shape about them. They have a, they, they, they do share a lot of commonality, but there are unique factors about a Gibson, a Fender, a Taylor, and a Martin. And I can see them from a distance, and unless they're a knockoff or a cheap substitute, I can tell you at least where the design came from. It's the marks of the trade. And some of those go beyond what you see and it ends up being what you hear. can also close my eyes and in most situations hear someone strum a chord or two on one of those three or four big brands and with my eyes closed I can tell you which one it is because there's a distinct sound. There's not only a distinct look, there's a distinct sound. There's many, many different shapes, there's many different sizes, there's many different woods, there's many different appointments, there's a lot of commonality, but there's a look and there's a sound, and I finish with this, with my eyes closed, you could put one of those four in my hand, and there's a feel. There's a feel about the neck that automatically my hand can tell you if it's a V, if it's a C, if it's a however the neck design is. Because I played those by the hour and I felt them. We're not all the same. And He's working in all of our lives. And there's different appointments and there's different materials and there's different times and there's different colors and there's different shapes and there's different... But there will always be a distinct look about those, hallelujah, who have been in His hands. And there will be a distinct sound in how they speak and how they talk and your spirit will resonate with it. That's a child of God. That's someone that's been in the Master's hands. There's a feel about it when you get around them. It's what comes off because you've been in His presence so long that you can identify what that may be. I'm saying that if you'll give God the opportunity, He will work in your life and bring about something that is so distinct and is so certain that what this world needs today is not a knockoff and not a cheap version and not a copy. What this world needs is people who will come out of that lab, if you will, of the process of someone who's been working in my life and will sound a different way, will look a different way, will feel a different way, and it'll always be about what brings glory and what brings honor and what brings pleasure to Him. Let's stand together.
become what He designed us to be with a distinct reflection of Him. But we will be very unique in our own way. You are unique, but you bear the resemblance of your Maker if He is crafting your life. I don't want to be crafted in a denominal view. I don't want to be crafted in a false doctrine view. I don't want to be crafted by the hands of a cult. I don't want to be crafted by the hands of those that do not know truth. I don't want to be crafted by people that have taken it and corrupted it and gone a different way. That's not the sound I want to produce. That, that's, that, I, I'm not looking for any of that. I want to be a reflection of the Master's hand. I want to be a reflection of the one that said this may take time and it may be a process. But when I get through with you, you will fulfill the purpose for which I brought you out of the lumber yard. I brought you out of the pile of rejects. I brought you out of, well, maybe or maybe not. And look what the Lord has done in our lives. Hey, friend, let the purpose of God happen in you. Let the purpose of God come forth in your life. And if it takes time, just keep surrendering. And take one step at a time. Would you lift your hands to Him all over this place?